attentive. Brethren, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to edify him. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproach thee fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Peace be with you, the reader. As they were going away, behold, a dumb demoniac was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the dumb man spoke, and the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casts out demons by the prince of demons. Jesus went about all their cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the king gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every infirmity among the people. tidings. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Today's gospel passage points to one of the central themes of the entire ministry of Christ and the meaning of the gospel. And it comes from the words of these blind men who approach Jesus. They come to say, Have mercy on us, son of David. This particular exclamation is said in similar ways throughout the gospel. Have mercy on me. Mercy is the central theme of Christ's ministry. What do we understand by mercy? Because we say it all the time in the context of our corporate services. Kirieleison, or Lord have mercy, we say once after a petition, we say three times after a petition, sometimes we say a hundred times after a petition, over and over again and again, as the deacon would say. But what is mercy? Mercy really is the love of God poured out to us even when we do not deserve it and at the expense of Christ himself it's not about Jesus but it's about us we are the recipients and it is for our good that the Lord pours out his good will towards us Not only do these two blind men say this in this particular passage, we know the publican says it in the temple. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. We know that the Canaanite woman and the Syrophoenician woman cry out, Lord, have mercy on my daughter. We know that the ten lepers say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. We see this again and again and again. We know that the Lord wants to pour out mercy upon us. Just look at this passage. Even after the two blind men are healed and Jesus strictly tells them not to say anything, they go out and they broadcast what He has done to them. This brings the wrath and the fury and the jealousy and the insecurity of the Jewish religious leaders. And they begin to accuse Jesus wrongly and to badmouth him among the people and to put pressure on him. And what does he do? He continues to go to every synagogue and every town and village preaching the kingdom of God. Healing casting out demons, cleansing, bringing mercy upon every single human being who opens their heart to Him. We sometimes think when we're saying, Lord, have mercy, that we are begging Jesus for something that maybe He wants to give us or maybe not. But I want to assure you, That when we say, Lord, have mercy, we are praying according to His will. We are lining up our desire with His desire, our want with His want, our need 
with what he wants to abundantly pour out. We're not begging him for something that he does not want to give us. Don't think that because we say, Lord of mercy, 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 over and over and over and over again, that we're begging. That's not what it's about. We need to say that again and again and again for our benefit. We need to open our heart to show God that we want His love. That we want Him to give us this grace, this healing, this fullness. Because sometimes, whether we realize it or not, we're not really open to God. We might want the benefits He can give to us, but we may not really be open to Him. God wants us to be open to Him. When we are asking God for help, whether we realize it or not, we are asking God for Himself, for His own sake. Because if we have God in us, then we have all of the benefits of God. All of His knowledge, all of His grace, all of His peace, all of His healing power. Every time we say, Lord, have mercy, what we really should be saying is, Lord, come. Come and abide in me. Come and dwell in me. Come and have communion with me. Come and unite yourself to me. Lord, have mercy should be one and the same with this. Lord, come. Now I want to read to you something that comes from this beautiful little booklet called The Power of the Name by now Metropolitan Kalistos. Because the Lord have mercy that we see in today's gospel and that we hear over and over again Very early on in the life of the church, because of the power of the name of Jesus Christ, slightly changed to, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. The most powerful prayer in the universe. And this booklet is like having a library of books on the Jesus prayer and underlining those key things in those books and creating a pamphlet from that. So I highly recommend it. I don't know how many we have in the bookstore, but we should have enough for every single person in this parish. I'm only going to read a couple excerpts because I want you to understand the power of the name of Jesus Christ and why it is so vitally important that it be always on our lips, in our mind, and in our heart. Metropolitan Callisto says, In the Old Testament... There is a close connection between someone's soul and his name. His personality with its peculiarities and its energy is in some sense present in the name. To invoke a person's name is to make that person effectively present. One makes a name alive by mentioning it. The name immediately calls forth the soul it designates. The name of God is God with us, Emmanuel. Attentively 
And deliberately, to invoke God's name is to place oneself in His presence, to open oneself to His energy. This Hebraic understanding of the name passes from the Old Testament into the New Testament. Devils are cast out and men are healed through the name of Jesus, for the name is power. Hallowed be thy name, holy be thy name. Whatever you ask in the Father's name, he will give it to you. Go therefore and teach and baptize all nations in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. There is salvation only in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. All of these quotes from the New Testament. It is this biblical reverence for the name that forms the basis and the foundation of the Jesus prayer. God's name is intimately linked with His person. And so the invocation of the divine name possesses a sacramental character, serving as an efficacious sign of His invisible presence and action. In the words of the two elders of Gaza, Saints Barsanufios and John, of the 6th century, they say, quote, The remembrance of the name of God utterly destroys all that is evil. Unquote. St. John Climacus says, quote, Flog your enemies with the name of Jesus, for there is no weapon more powerful in heaven or on earth. Let the remembrance of, na- of Jesus be united to your every breath, and then you will know the value of stillness. Unquote. My brothers and sisters, we have been given such a powerful gift that these two blind men realized in an instant. We have been given the name above every name. It is written in our hearts. We have been united to the power of Christ through our baptism. We have been given the seal of the gift of the Holy Spirit that we may be united to Him, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All we have to do is deliberately, attentively, consistently call upon this name. And we will be calling upon the presence of Christ Himself every single time into our heart, into our mind. His presence with our presence. Do you see the sacramental nature of what Metropolitan Callistos is talking about? In a similar way, not the same way, but in a similar way, as we participate in His body and blood through the bread and wine, we participate in His divine energies through the invocation of His holy name. Who, knowing this, would not want this always on their lips? Always, always in their heart and mind. So my dear brothers and sisters, every single day in the morning when we rise, we should be separating ourselves from all of our other thoughts, all of our other activities, 
Don't look at your schedule. Don't do anything else before you sit or stand in quiet and you begin to invoke the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Over and over and over. Directing it into your heart. If you need to, use your lips because then your voice can be another sense by which you can shut other things out and focus on it. Do you know how salutary and salvific it is to have quiet and stillness with only that playing inside of you? What a tool you are nurturing that will always be ready for you, acting as a sentinel, a guard over your thoughts, protecting you, giving you the tool to cut off those bad thoughts that want to captivate you and enslave you and to pierce and wound the greatest treasure that you have. I want you to imagine for just a moment that you have your children in your house and they are literally being threatened by enemies. Would you leave your house unguarded? I don't think so. You would use every means that you have to guard that house that houses and stores your greatest treasure, your children, to keep them safe from the enemies that come to threaten them. Your greatest treasure, even beyond your children though, is what is in your heart. For there lies the kingdom of heaven. And yet how often do we leave our heart unguarded throughout the day, day after day, Because we allow provocative thoughts coming from the evil one that are twisted and distorted, that seek to enter in through our mind and into our heart and destroy that treasure. To wound your soul. To lead you away from God and from your true and authentic self. The Jesus prayer acts as a guard over that treasure. If we can cultivate that throughout the day, have it going on, be attentive to it, even while we are doing other things, then we will know where we're at at any place and time. We will know what to cut off and what to unite ourselves to because we are watchful. But we will not be able to do this, my brothers and sisters, if we do not cultivate this tool in the morning, at night, And sometime during the day, take a break. Take a break from all the busyness, all the noise, all the fragmentation, all the distraction. And cultivate this tool that is more powerful than anything else that heaven and earth has to offer us. The two blind men came to the Lord and they said, have mercy on me. We get to say, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. What a treasure, what a gift, what a tool. I encourage you to cultivate this tool unto your salvation, to teach it to your children, to practice it, to be in line with those who have come before you in every generation, going all the way back to the apostles themselves. 
to invoke ceaselessly the name above every name and you will be calling into your heart the very presence and energy of Jesus Christ himself. You will be receiving mercy upon mercy which he abundantly and gladly desires to bestow upon each of us. Amen.